This is Kendra Connor, worship leader at Christ Center Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Please turn your copy of God's Word tonight to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Give you just a moment to get there. Either turn your copy of God's Word, your physical copy, or if you go on your phone and you have a Bible app, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So as we did two verses uh, a couple weeks ago for our preparation for Thanksgiving, we're going to do three tonight, but when you see those three verses, you're going to be like, well, that's like basically one verse, it seems like, but so first lesson means five, beginning of verse 16, Paul writes, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God, as we look at your word tonight and we look at these principles and these these things that you're calling us to do with our lives, I pray that we would take these short statements and let them be absorbed into our souls, that they would become a part of who we are every day. And it's in your Son, who is our Savior, Jesus Christ is his name. Amen. So what if I told you that this next Thursday, that Thanksgiving dinner was going to be the last meal that you ever ate? That's it. After Thanksgiving, you're never, ever going to eat anything else ever again. It was going to effectively be your last meal. You probably have all kinds of Crazy thoughts going through your mind, like, what in the world? What is he talking about? If I told you Thanksgiving dinner was going to be the last time that you ate, most likely your response would probably be something to the effect of, Pastor's crazy. Why does he want me dead? Isn't there a show about that on Investigate Discovery? But once you worked through that, you'd probably think something to the effect of, I need to eat to live. We do, right? We need to consume food or something nutritious in order to keep on living. In fact, eating is a big part of my lifestyle, probably too big sometimes. Maybe you can relate, maybe you can't. However, if we stopped eating after Thanksgiving dinner was over, we would most certainly die without that food, without that nutrition. And let me tell you, the same thing happens when we stop praising and thanking God after Thanksgiving as well. We die. Now, not physically, or salvifically, mind you, but we die in our spirit. Have you ever met someone who was not a thankful person? Who just kind of made their way through life, grumbling and complaining about everything and for forgetting that what God has done in their life? There just really doesn't seem to be a, a spiritual life and vitality there, right? You just kind of go, oh, we die in our spirits. Because just like eating, praising, and thanking God should not be an event. It should be a lifestyle. It should be something that we do every day in order to live spiritually and to demonstrate the life that we have in God through Jesus Christ. And today, as we look at the words of Paul to the church at Thessalonica, we're going to see that he was calling those believers to make praise and thanksgiving a lifestyle as well. In chapter 5, we see three things that we must do in order to make it a lifestyle in our lives, in order to practice praise both this Thanksgiving and beyond. We're going to see 
three things that we must do in order to practice praise this Thanksgiving as well as beyond just that day so that we don't shrivel up and die spiritually. So as we look at God's word, I, I love that Paul makes it very easy, right? I'm sure I don't even have to tell you what the outline is because you could probably look at these three verses and go, okay, Pastor Sam, got it. Let's go eat. However, you didn't come just for that tonight. You came to hear God's word, not just to eat, I hope. So we are going to take a look at it. And even though it's an easy outline and easy to follow, hopefully that means, if you're sitting there going, well, this is easy, I already know what the outline is, hopefully it'll be that easy for you to live out as well, right? Huh? Okay. So what we're going to see is those three practices. We're going to call them praise practices tonight. Three of them. The first one as we look at God's word is, you can probably tell me what it is, some of these you're looking at it. Praise practice number one is genuine joy. Genuine joy. Paul says to rejoice always. Now, you might think, okay, I can do the joy thing. You know, it's not hard for me sometimes when things are going well or it seems like life is going right for me to be joyful, to demonstrate joy so that others can see joy in my life. But what if when life is not going so well? When things don't seem to be going your way? When you're experiencing loss or frustration or anger or discontent or any other number of feelings, joy is much harder then, isn't it? However, as we look at this and we see that Paul's exhortation is to rejoice always, we discover something. And that is simply this, that joy is a condition, but it's not conditional. Joy is a condition, but it's not conditional. The word condition is defined as the state of something with regard to its appearance, quality, or working order. So we see that's irrespective of what's going on around it. A condition is something that defines what you're seeing with that, whatever that thing is. The state of something with regard to its appearance, its quality, or its working order. Joy is a condition. It's something that when someone practices joy and expresses joy and has the joy of the Lord, that's a state that they are in. It's a, really a fruit, and we're going to look at that a little more as we go along, but it's a state of something, the state of joy, with regard to its appearance. You can see it. It's quality. It's lasting. It doesn't just come and go. It's not just up and down and all over the place. It's a quality of being joy, and in its working order. It's practical. It's not just the person who is up one minute and down the next, and it's just kind of flighty and happy and all over the place. And you're like, okay, that, that can't be real. How can anyone be like that all the time? Well, most likely they're not. Because we all experience those times. However, that's because joy is not up and down. Joy is here. It's here. Because it's not explosive and expressive and all of those things. It can be. At times it can be. Sure. When we sing praises to the Lord, we do that. We lift our voices to God. We lift our spirits. However... Are we any less joyful when we're mourning in the Lord? We don't have to be. We can have the joy of the Lord even when things aren't good. It is that steady state. It's not high highs or low lows by definition. It's that consistency with the Lord that recognizes who we are and who God is. And we live within that truth of who God is and who we are. And we thank him for who he is and what he's done. Because we don't deserve any of it. So we can have joy in all things. It's a condition, but it's not conditional. It's a condition that is in fact experienced 
by our position. It's a condition from position. Our position in Jesus Christ. It is knowing Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to have joy. James, in fact, points this out in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That it is something that it comes from, he begins in his, his opening where he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes of the dispersion. Greetings, he tells them. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He begins by this, offering this greeting of his position in Jesus Christ as a servant. And then he goes on to tell them, you can have joy. You can count it all joy regardless of what you're experiencing. They were dispersed. And said, he said, despite of that, that seeming bad situation, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, obstacles, hurdles, difficulties, trials of various kinds. So it's all those things that I already mentioned about being angry or hurt or bitter or experiencing loss or discontent or all of that. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy. View it as something that you can have joy in. For you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So when we experience those circumstances and difficulties that are all over the place, we can take joy in them because God is using them to produce spiritual maturity in us. So what happens is, when those things happen, when those people, when those circumstances, when those difficulties occur, we can go, you know what? I, nothing has changed in my position with Jesus Christ. I know the Lord. I love the Lord. He loves me. I have a relationship with Him. Nothing out there is changing anything in here other than that it's making me more spiritually mature. So it's only beneficial if I let it be. If I let God grow the fruit of endurance and patience within when we experience the trials without, that's where the good stuff is. Joy is a condition, but not conditional. It's a condition from our position in Jesus Christ. And it's a condition that works inside out through the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the interesting thing about plants and trees is that they have that predisposition, if well taken care of and, and, take, and done right, to produce fruit. It's in there. It's part of their DNA, if you will, their code. It's not that they don't have it, they're just not showing it until it grows. And it works that way with believers as well, with the fruit of the Spirit. We have the unlimited potential to bear fruit because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's not until we allow God to grow that fruit in our lives that it shows up, that it can be seen. And such is the same with joy. So when we encounter those difficulties, those trials, those circumstances, and we allow God, through our position in Jesus Christ, to mature us with joy, that joy then makes its way out and bears fruit in our life. Then it becomes visible. How does it become visible? It becomes visible when you encounter people who understand or, or come to hear your story or testimony from the Lord, and they go, well, I, would, I would think, now that you've been through all of that, that you would be bitter or angry, or how are you not depressed all the time? And I go, man, if I went through that, or I experienced that, or I dealt with that difficulty, or that trial, or that circumstance, boy, that would just level me. It would lay me out. I'd be an angry person all the time. And you had the opportunity to go, no, I, that's not, 
I'm not that. But it's not because I'm superhuman or really any different than you, other than who I know. And that's Christ. God grows that joy through my relationship with Christ that enables me, when those difficulties come, to go, that's okay. Because God is still in control. And I give him all the glory for it. And I know he's doing something in it. And I know I'm going to come out the other side stronger. And I give him the praise for that. It's nothing I'm doing. It's all God. That, my friends, is fruit. That is an outward representation or demonstration of the growth that's occurring within. And it's a condition from our position in Jesus Christ. And then not only do we see that it's a condition, but it's not conditional based on our surroundings or our environment or what we experience. And it comes from our position in Christ and it works its way out through fruit we also see that it's God's will for us. God wants you to be joyful. He wants that for you. He doesn't allow those circumstances to come in your life because he wants to make your life miserable or beat you down or make you unhappy or deprive you of things. He wants to see you grow in his son and become even stronger in him. It's his will. When we look at these verses and we see 16, 17, and 18, the way in which they're structured, I believe that's all one thought that Paul is sharing. Even though it's broken up into those three themes, I believe that you could remove 17 and the first part of 18 and actually read it as though, Rejoice always, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's not the first time we're going to see that. So we see it's God's will for us. It's what he wants for us. He wants us to grow in our joy to bear that fruit, to be that testimony to others, and to make a difference in their lives through what he's done in our lives. Do you struggle with joy? If you do, you're not alone. I can very distinctly remember times in my own life when I felt like I was going through some very deep valleys that there was no way I could come out of on my own. And I couldn't on my own. It was only through Jesus Christ and the people that God put in my life, the other believers who helped lift me up, that helped me navigate those times. Because it's not always easy to see the Lord in the midst of those difficult times. But he wants us to know that he's there, and he's there through our relationship with his Son, and the Holy Spirit working through other believers in our lives. If you're struggling with joy, I want you to know that there is hope. That you can have that. And that God and the other believers in your life want to help you find it. And we will. Practice pray, or Praise practice number one is genuine joy. Rejoice always, all the time, in everything. What's the second one? Verse 17, it's another long one. Pray without ceasing. So the second one is this, perpetual prayer, perpetual or ongoing prayer. So we saw genuine joy. Now we see our second practice is this, perpetual prayer. Prayer is perpetual, not an isolated practice, meaning it's always prayer time, folks. Because how many times have you had that thought either at church or somewhere else in another ministry? You're like, okay, now it's what? What do we say? Time to pray. However. The intention with prayer and what God intends and we see Paul communicate here is that it's not an isolated practice, 
where we only pray when it's time to pray. Because what do we see in Scripture? It's always time to pray. It's perpetual practice. It's ongoing. We're exhorted to pray without ceasing. It's ceasing. Without ceasing. I mean, hopefully without ceasing. That probably depends on your view of the Holy Spirit. But pray without ceasing. Constantly. Always prayer time. So what do we see? What does that mean? It means that prayer is to be a few things. It is to be steadfast. We see that in Colossians 4, 2. I'm going to throw some other verses at you here. Don't always like to do that, but I think it's important with this. Because Paul has a lot to say about these things in other places. So, it is to be steadfast. In Colossians, you don't have to turn there because you're going to be moving a lot. Colossians chapter 4, I'll read it for you. Verse 2, Colossians 4, 2. Paul writes, to continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it. Uh-oh, what's this? With thanksgiving. Right? So there we go. There's that idea of thanksgiving and praise and all of that. So we're to be steadfast, to continue in it. Prayer is to be steadfast, perpetual. Not only is it to be steadfast, where we're watching with thanksgiving all the time, it is, in fact, to be constant. To be constant. Romans 12, 12 tells us this. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Boy, there's those themes again, right, that we just looked at with joy. It's all connected. Rejoice and hope. Be patient in tribulation. Here we go. Be constant in prayer. So prayer is to be steadfast, to be constant. All these things, the idea of perpetual. Lastly, at all times, at all times in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18. This is all Pauline. Paul says in Ephesians 6.18, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So you see, he really wanted all of his recipients of these letters to understand the importance of perpetual prayer, ongoing prayer, steadfast prayer, constant at all times in the Spirit. And you know what? And you're like, well, how in the world can we possibly accomplish that? I mean, the last thing sometimes when I'm driving down the road and I'm dealing with people who don't like to drive responsibly or considerately, the last thing in those times, I would say I'm praying in a spirit of sorts. It's not a good one, though. It's frustrating. So how with the distractions in life, how can we how can we be steadfast and constant and pray at all times in the Spirit? Well, it's simply this. It's much like the spiritual discipline of practicing the presence. Practicing the presence. That's a spiritual discipline, just like perpetual prayer. So it does, in fact, take practice. Well, what is what does that mean, to be constant in prayer, to be persistent and perpetual in prayer? to practice the presence, it is a conscious recognition that we are constantly communicating with God. It's that idea of, it's not prayer time because it's always prayer time. And the recognition that God is always there, he's always listening, we can always communicate with him. I can always talk to him, I can go to him with anything at all times. So, I mean, David even talks about it when he says, where can I go from the Lord? He can't run from him. He's everywhere all the time. He had that recognition that God was always there and always knew he, where he was and what he was doing and was always accessible and available to communicate with because he cares. So we can, in fact, pray perpetually. We can constantly have God on the line. Now, think of it like this. This is a funny example. If you've ever watched movies or TV or seen 
where somebody's having a conversation with someone in person, but they were in the middle of a phone call and they didn't realize that the person on the other end of the line hadn't hung up. So they have this conversation. It may even be about the person on the other end of the line. And then they're like, oh, no, they heard the whole time. That's kind of how it is with God as well. He's always on the line. He's always there. He always hears. And we can always talk to him perpetually. We practice the presence because prayer is steadfast. It's constant. Perpetual. It's always prayer time. And then what do we see? It's God's will for us. See, I told you we'd be back there again, right? So what do we see there? Pray without ceasing. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if we're going to practice Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving and beyond, if we're going to be alive in the Spirit, because we're constantly, we have a lifestyle of praising God and thanking God, it shows up in our joy, and it also shows up in our prayer life. Because we have that constant connection with God. We're constantly drawing on His Spirit. His Spirit is empowering us, and it's working through us to spiritually feed other people. That's what ministry is, folks. It's You're a conduit. It's not supposed to come from your strength and power when you minister to others. You're simply to be that PVC pipe that God uses to work His way through. How it is. Perpetual prayer. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. How do you do with that? Do you feel like you can constantly communicate with the Lord? Or do you tend to reserve prayer for those times when you have somebody saying, okay, let's pray. Well, remember, it's always prayer time. Verse 18. Praise, practice, number three. We saw genuine joy. We saw perpetual prayer. Praise, practice, number three. Total Thanks. Total thanks. Thanksgiving in everything. Verse 18. Paul says, give thanks when? In all circumstances. So even when things are crummy? Yes. Give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness is an ongoing attitude, not just a moment of gratitude. Because sometimes when we think of Thanksgiving as a holiday, we think of it as okay, it's November, now it's time to be thankful for everything. And then when December comes, now it's time to buy everything. Well, no, no. Because it's not a moment of gratitude. It's not just that one isolated moment in time where you go thank you to whoever and express it or even thank you to God and then you move on. It's ongoing. It's constantly being aware of what God has done and being grateful for it. Or even thankful to God for others. And what he does through them in your life. It's an ongoing attitude, not just that one moment where we say thank you and think that's enough. Thankfulness is an ongoing attitude, not a moment of gratitude. Similarly to joy, it's also not contextual. Meaning it also isn't dependent on what's going on around me. So whether I have much or little, the call is to be thankful. Because God gives me what I need. It's not based on context or what's going on around us. It's not contextual. It's continual. It's continual. Being thankful for everything, this could also be phrased from the original language, all the time. So not just all circumstances, but all times. The translator here chose circumstances, but the implication there is that it's referring to all times as well. 
So for everything all the time. It's continual. And the most important part of this idea of this ongoing attitude that is continual is that it comes from something very important in our lives. And we find what this is in Colossians 3.15. And this is what's going to be the key power that's going to give you the ability to be thankful for everything all the time. Colossians 3.15. We see that thankfulness is ongoing, not contextual, but it's meant to come from Christ's reign in our life. Colossians 3.15, Paul writes, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Hold on to that word there, rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. So we see those two phrases there. The thankfulness builds on what we just read just prior to it. So he says, because of this, you can do this. If you let the peace of Christ rule, reign, sit on the throne, be king of, have control over, call the shots. I could phrase it a million different ways for you, but I hope you get the point. If you want to be truly thankful and have that be something that's ongoing, and continual, it's got to come from within, and it's got to come from having that peace of Christ and Jesus Christ himself living on the throne of your heart, in your very being. Because again, he's talking about the peace of Christ ruling in the heart, not the seat of emotions for us, as we understand it as Westerners, but the core of our being, who we are, everything about us. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then I love Paul is, is really big on body theology. And I think sometimes as independent Westerners, we focus so much on our individual relationship with God, our personal relationship with Christ, our individual gifting, all of those things. And we forget that in Scripture, there's a lot of emphasis on the body and growing together and the one and others and those things that we sometimes forget about because we were trained to be our own independent, special little selves from childhood on up. The Bible says you're one body. So this attitude of thankfulness should what? Be taken into account when we're dealing with others. So that means that we don't take for granted the other believers in our lives that God is using. And we remember, when the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, in the context of one body, we can then be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Thankfulness comes from Christ's rule and reign in our life. And if you have any hope at all to be thankful, it comes from recognizing his place in your life. Whether or not he's calling the shots and sitting on the throne. And if he is, thankfulness isn't hard. Because once you recognize that you didn't do any of it, you're not responsible for any of it, you didn't make any of it happen, it's a whole lot easier just to be thankful and grateful for anything that there is, and anything that you've got, and anyone that you've got. Because it's not you, it's Jesus Christ. And, drumroll, guess what? It's God's will for you. That one's a little less of a surprise, right? Because it's kind of right there. But, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How do you do with thankfulness? Would you say that when you experience life, the good and the bad, you're just thankful for who God is and the fact that he's calling the shots for you? Well, and that's that's an attitude of thankfulness, an ongoing attitude. It says, Jesus, you're in control, so no matter what happens, I'm not sweating it. I'm just thankful to have you and anything else that happens in my life, good or bad, because I know you're going to bring the best through it. And what do we see with joy? It's going to produce Christian maturity in our lives, steadfastness. So there's, there's a good that comes out of it. Total thanks, not an ongoing attitude, or excuse me, an ongoing attitude, not a moment of gratitude. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That is how we continue to have an ongoing spiritual vitality beyond thanksgiving into the month of December and through into the new year by practicing these uh, praise elements of thanksgiving. Genuine joy, perpetual prayer, total thanks. So are you ready to practice praise as thanksgiving? You ready for other people to see this show up in your life? Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes for me. Time to do some soul searching. In the areas of praise practice, joy, prayer, and thanks, which one is the Spirit of God speaking to you about in your inner being at this moment? Which of the three areas, joy, prayer, thanks, is God's Holy Spirit working in your heart about right now? That particular area, I want to invite and encourage you to give that to him. Say, God, I, you know, God, I, I struggle with being grateful. Life has been rough. I feel like I've don't have as much as I do. God, I, I try to trust you and I know that you provide, but I struggle not to let what I don't have cloud my judgment and make me bitter and want more all the time. But God, I, I know that you call me, it's your will to be thankful. God, I want you to take control of that area of my life. Maybe it's joy. You're like, I just don't feel like I can ever be happy for what it is that I'm dealing with or going through or what I have or don't have. Uh, you know, I don't really make a positive impression and impact on people. They wouldn't know that I was a Christian because I always seem so down in the dump salt. God, I give that area of my life to you right now. Or maybe it's prayer. And you're like, oh, I'm always all over the place all the time, and I can't seem to connect with God. I feel distant. I, I have a hard time with recognizing that he's always there, and I can always talk to him and to do it. God, I want you to have that area right now. Give that area to him. Ask him to grow you in it. Say, God, it's yours. Now I want you to work in it. Grow me in it. Make fruit come through my life, through my yielding this area to you. 
And lastly, I want to encourage you to make the decision to begin building the practice of exercising joy, prayer, thanks, whichever one or all of them that God is working in your heart about. Begin building in the practice of those things in your everyday interactions through the holidays at the very least, if not beyond. Because we don't stop eating at Thanksgiving. We shouldn't stop praising either. Father, I thank you so much for your word, for 1 Thessalonians 5 and these three simple verses, but yet so profound and life-changing. God, I pray now as we go into this time of communion, that we're thankful for the sacrifice that your son made for us so that we could have a relationship with you, God. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. And it's in your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.